0: It. If you could turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse, verses 12 through 14. If you have a sweater like that, bring it next week. Wear it. We'll have swag sweater Sundays. I can't wait to see him. Come on, bring sweaters. Alright. Anyone excited to hear from the Word this morning? Okay. Pastor Jason kind of set me up for failure last week and he said that I'm really funny. And uh, I don't attribute to be naturally funny, just try to be funny like a, like a comedian, but I've, I think it's because I'm kind of a dork that it just comes off funny. So um, I have a little bit of ADD, so hang tight with me. We have a journey that we're going to go on today, uh, and I'm really excited about this message. It is very challenging, though. So when I said, man, you wanted me to be funny, this message is for me. It's been really challenging this week. So we're going to dig in. I believe that God's got a word. If, uh, if you're ready to receive it, just come on. Let's read this together. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It says, Not that I have already obtained this, all of this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Everyone say, Press on? on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on. Come on, someone say, Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me, everybody? Father, thank you so much for your presence here in this room today. Thank you for an amazing time during worship. God, I ask that you would speak to us this morning. God, this word that you put in my heart, let me communicate it with strength and boldness and conviction. God, I pray that as we hear from your word, that it would change us from the inside out. God, as we learn what uh, what you want us to do in this thing called life. We are expectant. We lean in to what you have to say for us this morning. We worship you in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, who knows what Throwback Thursdays are? Does anyone raise your hand if you've, if you've heard of Throwback Thursdays? Okay, pretty much. If, I'll explain it for those who don't have Twitter and Insta, Instagram and the Snappy Chat thing. Um, <laughs> Throwback Thursdays is a day of the week. That you, you either send out a picture or a memory of something and you tag it with a hashtag Throwback Thursdays. It's, a, it's an idea of looking back, hence the pictures that you saw in the text conversation. Uh, and throughout these series, we've been focusing on a different aspect of our relationship. Last week, we kicked off the series, Pastor Jason, talking about having uh, our relationships be driven by our feelings. Okay, and this week we're talking about looking back and seeing how we can have a relationship with our past. And I know next, uh, coming up, we've got Pastor Andrew who's going to talk about hashtag squad goals, which is going to be an amazing, amazing message. So be here for that. But today we're talking about Throwback Thursdays. So as it's evolved, Throwback Thursdays kind of started everything, and then everyone else started adding new things for every day of the week. So Mondays is Man Crush Mondays. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Everyone's like why is he up there? If uh, Tuesdays is transformation Tuesday, so anyone that's been on a journey before and after pictures. Wednesdays is women crush Wednesdays. Whoop. Thursdays throwback Thursdays. Fridays is feel good Fridays. Who loves a good Friday? Saturday there's been some debate. I've always known Saturday is Swatterday swag but there's just been this new one that's made its way onto uh, Instagram called Day, and that's where you take a picture of your cat and do that. Listen to the church. Woo! We love all animals. Don't believe in like, that church hate cats. I'm not going back. They're biased against dogs. I love cats. Guys, this literally has nothing to do with the message, but it's awesome. Sunday is a selfie Sunday. So you take a selfie and you, and, you, and you tag it as that. There isn't really inherently anything wrong with Throwback Thursday. In fact, it's actually kind of fun to take a stroll down memory lane. Who loves getting those pictures like we just saw of, of someone you know that's hilarious or a video that's really embarrassing that exists out there for everyone to see and to say Throwback Thursdays. But what if, what if we lived a life where that became the normal? What if we lived a life where constantly we were looking in the past. Today I'm going to submit to you that Throwback Thursday is great for our Instagram accounts, but if we're not careful, we can have a life that's built on turning back to old things instead of looking toward what lies ahead. Every time I preach, I don't know why I have to do this, but I have to find a way to insert Chris Farley or something from the movie Tommy Boy because it's like my favorite comedy and Chris Farley is like my favorite comedian. He's not here, which is a bummer because there would be so many good movies. but my story and in, in Tommy Boy are kind of interlinked in this way, so I uh, went to Bible school in Seattle, it's where I met my wife for the very first time, and I went there, she was actually the worship director. Girl could sing, if you didn't know Alicia, she could sing, she got a good voice. Like I hit a home run, finding her. So I was like, as soon as I saw her, I said, I need to like lock it down fast. And I need to show her that I'm legit, even though I wasn't. I was hiding, I was trying really hard. Uh, so when we went to Bible school, I was like trying out for the worship team and I was trying to I, all right, I'm gonna go and support her. I was singing. I was playing drums doing everything I could So I lived about 45 minutes away from my college Every day I would drive there and I had this old who knows that moment when you wake up super super late yeah. Right, you know like, you know when you're late like the sun is in a different spot than it normally is the the walls are brighter than they used to be and like you look at your phone and you're convincing your mind like your mind is trying to turn that that eight into a seven again and it's not happening like you you're like wiping the boogers and you're like dang it's still eight all right um i had that moment in bible school and i was super late and i'm like dang it i'm this is like the first month i was trying to like impress i don't want to show up late i don't want to be that guy that shows up late So I'm freaking out, and who knows, you lose all sense of normal in the morning when you're that late, right? You put deodorant on your toothpaste, or on your toothbrush, and you toothpaste in your pits. That's not going to help, but I'm I'm so late, I got to go. You take old clothes, you know, that sweater that's got all the stink in it, and you just go out the door. You have no time to shower, you're just leaving. I got to get there. And you tend to forget the steps that you normally take, and so this one particular morning, I drove a Nissan, a green slash rusted nissan uh cat like truck two door rear wheel drive stick shifts, ac didn't work gem of a nissan truck and for some reason in high school me and my buddies we used to like have the doors open and then as we accelerated the doors would shut and you're like "Ah, cool i got a delorean kind of like it does it for me and that's not what it was i told you guys i'm really weird i don't like this is me being normal so I love to drive away with my doors open and they would shut. This particular morning, as I was late, I forgot that I parked on the right side of our basketball hoop. So, if you've seen Tommy Boy, and you see where the story is going, I backed up in a hurry in reverse, and as I backed up, my car door caught the basketball hoop that was cemented to the ground, and ripped it forward. I'm sitting there in the middle of the street, and the car had died, I'm sitting there just like, in a gaze, like, did that just happen? And I started to laugh because all I could hear was Tommy Boy going, what'd you do? (laughs) Which is a great part of the movie. But do you ever notice that we are strongest when we are moving forward? Do you ever know that moving backwards is probably the weakest place as humans that we could be? Think about everything. Backing up is hard. Skating backwards, don't try it. That's why I didn't make the hockey team, because I couldn't skate backwards. Reading the alphabet backwards, some people could do it, not for me. Have you ever tried to retrace your steps from the night before when you lost your keys and you're just trying to go backwards? It's really hard. Remember when cars didn't have backup cameras? The day of actually moving your head to make sure that there wasn't anything behind you? Now you're in like a massage chair with, you're just like, oh, there it is. The lines are telling me where to go, perfect. Old, like back in the old days, I had to like climb, like check over here, head out the window, and make sure. Backing up is insanely hard. It is a tough position to be. Even your strength is put on your, your front foot. When, when someone comes at you, if you're on your heels and they push you, that moment of being going backwards, of not feeling like you have momentum, is a hard place to be. There's no strength in it. Now, I want to submit today, before we go into scripture and unpack everything that God wants us to hear, is that there's a difference between remembering and actually looking back. And this is important for us to understand because we could totally rip this out of context and say that remembering is the same, which is they're very different. Okay, looking back involves looking away from where you were going and takes your focus on a a different spot. If I'm going this way to look back, I physically have to turn around and look that way. Remembering allows you to move forward and reminds us of the things in our past, okay? It's almost just like checking the rearview mirror real fast as you're driving. It's ability is to glance, but to continue moving forward. And I would contend with you today that nothing in the life of Jesus actually points to looking back, but to looking forward. The momentum of grace is always going forward. It doesn't ever look at our past. Even Jesus, in one of the most critical moments of his life as he's sitting at the final night before he dies, before his disciples, he says the instructions for our communion. he says, take this, what? In remembrance of me to remember is different than to look back. And following Jesus is a very, very tough place in life because it's very easy at one sense in that grace is always given, it's freely given, and we don't have to earn it. But at the same time, there are moments when we want to look back and God is trying to call us forward. So today I'm going to look, we're going to unpack some scripture that's going to set up four side effects of looking back. And if taking notes, I want to encourage you to to take these notes. Like I said, this message has been a, a wrestle for me. I've been, it's been in my heart for the last few weeks, and um, God's definitely speaking something through me, so I hope that you get something out of it say. So if you could turn with me to Genesis chapter 19, verses 17 through 26. <clears throat> the first side effect to looking back is our sin becomes a comfort. Our sin becomes a comfort. Genesis chapter 19 verses 17 through 26. We'll read it together. If you you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen behind you. It says, and as they brought them out, actually before we get into this, let's set up what is happening. This is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, if you've not heard that story before. Sodom and Gomorrah, this city that is just fallen to sin, it, it, God is, is furious with the city because it is so sinful, and so God basically sends an angel down and, and tells Lot and his wife, look, I'm going to destroy this place. You guys need to get out. You guys are going to help me build the future, but I am going to destroy this city. So he sent an angel down. He says, don't look back because I'm taking it, and it's going to go. Just keep going. So we'll pick it up, chapter 17, and it says, as I brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, "Oh no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight. You have shown me great kindness in saving my life, but I cannot escape to the hills. Let this di- lest this disaster overtake me and I die." He's, Lot's freaking out in this moment. He's like, "Dude, you're about to rain fire down and destroy the city. I'm, I'm not going to make it. there's nowhere to go." And so God gives him a place. He, tells them, he said to them, "Behold, um, in, in verse 20, this city is near enough to flee, flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there." It is, uh, my life will surely be saved. He said to them, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that it will not overflow, overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing until you arrive there. Therefore, this, the name of the city was called Zor. The sun had risen on the earth, and when Lot came to Zor, the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. That would be insane to see. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities. And what grew on the ground and this is the part I want you to, to underline in your Bible if you're taking notes. In verse 26, it says, but Lot's wife behind him looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Everyone say, looked back. Looked back. This word, look back, has the connotation of focusing in on something, right? To look back at something, you have to have a point that you're, that you're actually looking at. And so we unpack this scripture and see what happened to Lot's wife is she couldn't it's that one thing, you know that one thing where that phrase has said, it's so bad, it's so good? Has anyone ever said that or heard that? It's just like, man, it is so bad, I just, I gotta see this crazy sulfur mass city getting destroyed, this sin. But this story, if we can unpack it as a parable to our modern day lives and sin, the reason that God is saying don't look back is because who knows that once we look at it, we won't stop staring. Looking back will always lead us to embrace our sin And to make sin a comfort When I want something that's comfortable I, I want to I Like my wife, I like to stare at my wife Especially in the mornings She doesn't like to stare at me in the mornings though It's bad Except I don't have hair anymore So I actually present pretty well in the morning <laughs> Benefits of being bald uh, but going back is dangerous because we can't get caught up in sin. The Bible says to flee from sin, to run from it, because the enemy is using it as a snare in our life to pull us out of favor, to pull us out of that that, that momentum of moving forward. See, conviction is from God. Conviction is God saying, "Listen, I don't want you to sin because I love you." Condemnation saying, "Look at what you did." Condemnation always goes back. It says, "You screwed up. You're a failure." You can't be a worship leader. You can't come to church. You can't be a pastor. You can't do any of this stuff because look at what you've done. Sin becomes so comfortable. Does anyone remember the Snuggie? It's just, even when I just say the word, it's, uh, everyone laughs at it because it didn't, like, when I first saw it, I was like, if you didn't see the infomercial and someone's like, here, have a Snuggie, you'd be like, what is this? And then you get into it and it's like, oh, I see it now. But you wrap yourself in it becomes comfortable. Sin can become a snuggy. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, Pastor Justin, though, like you're telling me to forget, like that that I can never remember my sin. Like that, that's that's really tough. I don't know that I can do that. Listen remembering is different than looking back, okay? If we live a life where we're trying to always think that our sin never existed, then that's a wrong place to be because the power of the cross is only found in how messed up we actually are. And that's why the sign at home that says, welcome home. At my house, my family can be who they are. I don't, I don't need you to worry about the stuff that you've done because they're so, like, we love each other to the point where nothing you could do, my son, nothing that my son could ever do would, would pull me away from loving him. And if, we for, if we're trying to forget and say that it's not there and, and grace can't exist in this realm, then we're, that we're diminishing the power of the cross. And that's why Paul says in, in, in that lead scripture that we talked in Philippians 3, says, guys, I haven't gotten it figured out, but one thing I do is I press on. So we could continue to live a life where things are hard and it's a struggle, and I get it, I'm with you too. I'm preaching to myself because it is so tough. But if we could fall and still be forward and fall forward, God said, listen, I've got you. Grace is saying, I'm gonna pull you this way. Please don't look back because you're gonna look back to what was and is not now. Your sin is no longer. Grace says it is done. But it's so easy just to be like, no, I just, I gotta peek. Lord, please just let me get over there. We press on. Even if you're falling, push forward. Just because you're down doesn't mean you can't go forward. So many times this, this, we have a lie in our world that says because you're down, then, then something's wrong and you can't progress. Your business is down. You can't move forward. Or you've messed up in your relationship. You can't move forward. Or your finances say zero in the bank account. You can't move forward. God is saying, listen, you could still move forward and have fallen because that's the power of grace in your life. What's the word? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Youth, don't get quiet at me. I know you're tired. We're all tired. I'm just kidding. I don't know whose idea, like, so my, I went up, I was with our youth on Friday, and we went on a hike. Laura, one of our leaders, is like, oh, it's fine. It's going to take like 30 minutes to get stopped. 25 minutes is fine. No big deal. Uh, we'll be fine. Everyone's fine. Okay, 30-minute hike sounds great. Let's do it. We're, we're go up there. It's like every student' just like, "Is it over yet?" <laughs> Walking uphill. We have one of our, one of our students is, um, who needed help, so we were, we were taking turns carrying him, and I was wearing a camel pack like, with the water and the hose. And I still had it on. I'm like, "Hey, jump up on my shoulders." He jumped up on my shoulders, and I went to go take a drink of water, but his weight had compressed the water pack so much <laughs> that water shot into my face and nose. It was like. Okay. I was, I was at the back because I was making sure that all of our students were safe, not because I couldn't make it. I was getting called out too. They're like, why are you in the back? I'm like, come on, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to make sure everyone's legally safe. Responsible. Thank you. But in that hike, looking back, it was like, look at where we've come from, you know, looking through everything you've been through, don't diminish the power of the cross. Remembering how messed up and broken we are is what makes it powerful. Don't live a fake, generic Christian life. Church, if that's the one thing that I'm, we, need to, we need to hammer home is this is not a place for people to come dialed in and buttoned up and everything. This is a place to come and be as you are. This is a place to be in process, whether your life is in shambles and you know it, come. This is the best place to be, the presence of God among people that love Jesus and love you and want the best. It doesn't matter what you're going through. There is not judgment. There's no perfect people allowed in here, so let's, let's wear it as it should be. We're all walking through stuff, and the, the, the hardest thing that we can do is try to diminish it by understanding that it's not there. So that's our first side effect of looking back is that our sin, the danger is our sin becomes comfort. Number two, past miracles become new wastelands. This is, this is a hard message for me. I'm preaching to myself because this is one that I really... That I, it's hard for me. So let's unpack this a little bit. What does that mean? Past miracles become new, new wastelands. We're going to take a look at Exodus chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. And I'm going to set this up real fast. We, if you know the story of Moses, the children of Israel, they're, in, uh, they're under oppression. They're in slavery under Pharaoh. And it's bad. It's a bad situation. And Moses comes in. He says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. And they fight. And then there's a bunch of plagues. Then the children, they actually get freed, and then God splits the waters through Moses' staff. They walk through. He closes the waters. Boom. Fast forward, we're here. They've been stuck in the desert, and they're hungry, and they're beginning to grumble and complain. Who has children? (laughs) Amen. That's all I need to say. Exodus chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. That evening, Quill came and covered the camp, and in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. First of all, who loves camping? Does anyone like, who loves waking up wet? Like when you camp and it's cold, I've, I've figured this out. Like when you camp, you only wake up like a thousand degrees or it's like minus 30 and you're wet. There's no waking up like, oh, this is so comfortable and normal. you either like the sun is melting your tent or you're freezing and it's wet. That's, but we love camping for some reason. I have ADD. I don't know why I said that. When the dew was gone, (laughs) thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is roughly three pounds, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much and some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. Thank you. Chapter Verse 19. <laughs> <laughs> then Moses said to them, No one is to keep any of it until the morning. This is the important part I want us to hear that helps us understand this point. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until the morning, and it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. God had told Moses, said, listen, I'm trying to teach the children of Israel something, okay? You just came out of slavery, the worst situation possible, and you're already complaining about food. If you would learn to trust me, God said, I will provide for you. And what did the children of Israel did? They did not trust what God was doing. This is where I'm preaching to the choir, for me, because it is so hard to live our life in a place where we believe God for the next thing. And it's hard to leave that miracle behind because it's so easy to stay and want to feed off of it because it's what we need right for that moment. But God is saying, if I'm going to take you through this life and progress you from A to B to C to D and so on, you've got to learn to leave behind what I gave for you then because that miracle is no longer valid in this next season. The children of Israel did not understand that. God is not a Costco. Just, who? I, I love Costco, man. Costco is a game changer for our marriage When we realize you can buy toilet paper at Costco yeah. Because who knows the worst thing That you can ever have happen in your household With children and a pregnant wife Is to run out of toilet paper yes. <laughs> That's literally like the only We use Costco for gas and toilet paper That's about it It's amazing But God's not a Costco God's not a come get everything you need and store it up for the next three months of your life. I need to go buy some strawberries. Let me get a whole flat of them. I'm gonna go buy uh, toilet paper. Let me get enough to run a high school. I'm gonna go get (laughs) peanuts. Let me get enough so I can't eat them and they go stale. There are so many things that Costco does that are amazing but God is not one of them. God is not to say come and and store up as much as you need because you're not believing me for the next season. That may sound good like no, I just want more God. I want more God. No, 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 you you want more because you don't trust him for the next day and that, that hurts, that hurts. For me, that is hard because we're vessels that are meant to be filled, but we're also vessels that are meant to be emptied out so that he could fill us back up again. And if we try to store it in tanks and tanks and tanks and tanks, the moment that we try to go backwards to look at that miracle, God's saying, you know what, it's spoiled now. That was for then. You're in a different moment. You're in a different season. You're in a different job. You have kids now. You've moved out of your parents' house. Uh, You're in a new relationship. You're in a new season, whatever it is. You try to go back to that miracle and drink from it and eat from it. It's gonna be bad. The miracle you received was only for that time, not to be stored up for the next trial. That is the equivalent of brewing coffee, letting it sit a week, and then pouring that same coffee over new coffee grounds and expecting it to taste good. Some people would also call that Starbucks. (laughs) Boom roasted, hashtag, get it. Come on, we're waiting for a miracle in our own timing. We, we see time as a linear thing, like minutes to hours to days to months to weeks. I did that kind of wrong, but you meant, got my point. We as people, <laughs> we perceive time as a calendar. God is saying, listen, People, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. I'm the God who created time. I put the sun in the sky, and I set the moon up to know when night and is not day. And if you're trying to perceive it in your own strength, you're missing the point because my miracle is only going to come in my timing, in the time that is right for you, not when you think it's right. You can't see new miracles if you're looking back at old ones. It's impossible. It's impossible. And God will not lead us to a place where we can't sustain you feel like your season? I can't do it. I can't make it. I'm drowning. Listen, he's he's there. God, his, that's not in his in his in his name in his sovereign lordship to put you in a place where you can't get out of. But we have to trust in looking forward. It's important to remember the miracles, but not drink from them. Past miracles become new wastelands. Number three. Does anyone get some out of this? Because like I, I, I was studying this message, and I'm like, man, I'm I'm trying not to, to make this something that I would do. I feel like God really gave us this message for today because it, it, it's been wrecking me from the inside out. I'm like, man, Pastor Jesus said it was funny. This message ain't funny. This is a hard message because it's hard for me. Like it's been tearing me up because it's so easy to to want to go backwards and trust because it's comfortable. It's so comfortable to be there, and the children of Israel were so, they were so blinded by that to the point where the, they started looking back at old miracles, and they didn't even see the miracle anymore. They just saw what was before the miracle. That's important to know. They didn't look back and see God pulling them out of Egypt. So when you look back at past miracles, sometimes we don't even see the miracle. We just see the situation, and we're like, I'd rather be there. Like God's like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Like, I have pulled you out of slavery from a dude that was making you build houses all day with no food in the middle of the heat, and now I'm, I'm pulling you to a place, Reese's, a land that's flowing of milk and honey, the promised land, and you guys are stuck up on the fact that I just gave you bread on the floor made from dew in the desert. <laughs> like, it looked like frosted flakes all over the floor. <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be great. All right, Lord, if you say you're going to be like, but that's so hard for us to do, isn't it? It's so hard for us to be like, man, God, there's this whole pile of gold here. Like, you only want me to take what I need and just leave that? He's like, yeah, because I don't, I'm not a Costco God because I can't do it. It's not like Santa Claus where it's like, I got to have all my, like all the presents and I got to make my rounds. So take what you need because it's going to be a while before I get back. God is everywhere. God is everything. He's all-powerful. He knows how to give us what we need and then leave it and push you on to the next place and then give you the next thing you need in that moment. But we try to store it up and say, I got a pack. I'm going on this hike. I need water. I need all this stuff. I'm not going to be able to make it. God's going to leave me. No, he's not. He's always there when we need it the most. But what can get us through that is not looking back at those miracles anymore because it's only going to lead to us looking back at what happened before that miracle. Number three, our walk is sabotaged by stall tactics. Our walk is sabotaged by stall tactics. Luke chapter 9, 61 says, this is Jesus, basically, he's he, he's on his ministry walking down, a man stops him, and he wants to follow He says, Jesus, I want to follow you. So it says right here, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to a plow and looks back as fit for the service in the kingdom of God. See, it seems so trivial, this request from this man. Like, in contrast, like, God, can I just take 20 minutes to say goodbye and then I'll, we'll go on your journey? I just, I got to say goodbye to some stuff. It seems so funny, but Jesus didn't see it this way. This is actually something that Jesus instructs us into our walk with Christ. Why he does say this is because Jesus sets down a principle that every farmer... Who's a farmer in here? Yes! No farmers in the ninth, but there's farmers in 11. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) Jesus sets down a principle that every farmer would understand. You can't plow a straight row when you're looking backwards. Who remembers their greatest stall tactic when it was bedtime? Devon? Yeah. My son had a good one a few months back. I was trying to get him to go to bed, and we had already done the whole, well, I'm hungry, and I got to brush my teeth, and all the stuff. He then said, as we're in bed and we're praying, we're about to finish, he said, Dad, I, I got to go water my celery plant. I'm like, son, we don't have a celery plant. We don't even like celery in this house. I don't buy celery. Lord knows I don't grow it either. So there's no plant to water. Why is Jesus hammering this point that something so trivial is so uh, dangerous to our walk is because the danger was stalling is who knows that you can't just do the one thing that you're talking about. Inevitably on my, on my son's way to water the celery plant, he would have found a toy on the ground and then he would have found a piece of fruit and then he would have eaten a fruit and then they would have had to brush his teeth because he ate the fruit and then since he brushed his teeth, we got to pray all over again. and. You see what I'm saying? Like stalling led to more stalling led to more stalling. And eventually you're trying to go this way and eventually you're just back this way because you stalled your way out of moving forward. When you stall a car, you drop the clutch and it doesn't go forward because you took too long to, to do the clutch out before the gas went in. Someone's done that, Cheryl. <laughs> I've done it too. You can't plow straight while looking backwards. Stalling is going to lead to falling. If you want to plow a straight line, you must keep a plow lined up by fixing on an object in front of you. Anyone who tries to plow looking backwards is a trouble. Jesus knows that any stalling to saying goodbyes to our past, and this is what's important, will result in failing to the pressure of temptation. See, God is calling us to, to be followers of Christ. That's why we're here, right, church? That's why he put us on this planet and says, listen, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says to go and make disciples. Here at the well, we, we exist to bring as many people as possible into our church, to share the love of Christ with our city. That's why I love opportunities about Serve Day and what our students are doing is because it's going outward to bring people in. But it's hard to go outward if we're having trouble with our, our, trouble with our own inward walk with Christ. And he's saying, listen, I'm trying to move you past it. So that sin that you're stuck on, stop stalling and follow me. The Bible says flee and go, and Jesus is saying, listen, I don't even want you to go say bye to your family because I know that if you say, well, Lord, like, okay, I'll drop this in, but let me, there's like a bachelor party next month in Vegas, God, I got to be there, I got to go, or there's this friend, like, we were going to watch the Bachelorette series towards the, to the end, and yeah, I got to do that, and then once that's over, September 4th, I'll go and we'll be like a disciple, I promise. The danger of doing that is because who knows that that's not gonna happen. I know your tricks, Gideon. We don't have no celery plant. I know what you wanna do. You don't wanna go to bed, you just wanna do something else. Stalling sabotages our walk with Jesus. And it's important to say, go now. And the coolest part, church, is that grace says, even if you don't, I've got you. But can't we be a church that is always encouraged to do it regardless? I don't want to live a life that I feel good about myself because grace is there. I feel good about grace is there, and that's amazing, but I want to charge forward. I want to do some work in this this place, this time, that I'm alive on this planet. I want to say, God, I made a difference. I don't want to be held up by my past. I don't want to be held up by my sin. Please, I don't want to stall anymore. I want to go. Go. Celery plant. 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 through 21. We're going to read the story about Elisha and Elijah. Who knows those people that can't get rid of stuff? We would call them hoarders. Has anyone watched the show Hoarders? My wife is a hoarder. Just kidding. Well, was, we're both kind of, I mean, I didn't mean it in a bad way. It's just She holds on to like, you know that trinket that you gave me? That one thing, it was the bottle cap from the Snapple. And it had your initials in it that one time. And I'm like, I got to keep it. I'm like, that's garbage. That's literally the <laughs> definition of garbage. That is a cap to a Snapple bottle. We, st- we, 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 we keep hoarding stuff. The fourth point, if you're taking notes, sorry. This is, f- this is therapy time with family, everyone. Please come back next week, please. Please, please, please. please. Don't be scared away. I'm just, I'm a little weird. The worship team knows it. Our students know it. I'm kind of a goofball. Is it good though? Are you getting something out of this today? Okay. Just got to know. I just got to know. 1 Kings chapter 19. So basically at this point, we're going to learn about Elijah. And it says in 19, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, the son of Saphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother goodbye. He said, and then I will come after you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Sorry, Peter. And he burnt the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And all of the men said, amen. The first barbecue is there. Uh, there's actually a point to that. I'll get there. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. The, the significance of Elijah is that Elijah was a prophet that God sent to Elisha and said, listen, you're going to follow me, and Elijah's going to put his anointing, his cloak, basically represent the new season of Elisha. So point number four is we memorialize what we don't destroy. We memorialize what we don't destroy. So Elisha comes back and he says, okay, I'm ready to follow you, basically saying I'm ready to follow what God's plan has for me. So he had to do something, something significant, something that would cost you greatly. He had to burn the plow. The plow in Elisha's life represented his livelihood. This was his everything. And so when I say that that following Christ is going to cost you something great, and it's going it's to be hard, is that Sometimes leaving that blessing or sin or season does nothing if we don't destroy what we just came from. Elisha knew that the only way that he could follow God's call was to burn the plow. What is your plow? God's call will lead to that painful separation if you want to take it. His call requires decisive action to burn the plow, to let go, to move on, because who knows that if there's nothing behind me at all, once I've destroyed it, then there's nothing to actually look at. Then it's all remembering because if it's gone and it's behind, then it's not there. What do I have to look back at? It's an empty, it's nothing. So that moment where he cooked it and he burnt it and he said, basically as saying, this is me significantly saying, God, I'm done with this season that I'm in and I'm moving on to the next. That doesn't mean that burning it is bad. It means burning it saying, listen, God, I trust you so much that I'm willing to destroy what I knew, to destroy what fed me for the longest time, to destroy the sin that I was so caught up in and made me feel comfortable. I'm willing to burn that now to say, go, and I will follow you. It's hard to have a relationship with Christ if, you, if we are cheating on him with our past. The truth hurts. Say, Pastor Justin, like, I don't think I can do that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not actually able to do that. That seems too hard. God is not looking for able people. He's looking for available people. Let's say, listen, I know I've provided and I will continue to provide. I know that the sin that you've been so easily entangled with is still there, but can you burn the plow and forget about looking back and push forward? Remember, we're not talking about forgetting our messed up, broken past because, again, it's what makes the cross powerful. Don't confuse remembrance for turning back because they're very different. Following Jesus isn't hard, but it's not easy either. It involves times in our lives where we're going through a dry season or we're stuck up in something or life seems like we've reached the very bottom and God is still on the cusp of providing something for us. See, our miracle that lies ahead is in our ability to forget the one that we just left. And I know there's so many times, church, in my life where I've been searching and searching while trying to pull this plow as I'm going in this direction and feeling like maybe I've done enough by going this way but still trying to pull it. And God is saying, it's going to be a lot easier if you just let it go. Does anyone know this game? Jenga? You gotta kinda say it with some spice. Jenga. <laughs> it's not relevant. Okay. The idea of this game, if you don't know it, is that you take a, a block out and you put it on top, and then inevitably the next partner would come, and I'm kinda shaking. Sorry. Right, so it's gonna be there. Ooh, that's a good one. I would really ruin this analogy if they fell over. We'll put them there. Yay, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Scariest part of what I thought I was going to do today was like knock that over because the hands are shaking. Who knows that that is the equivalent of looking back. Each block is representation of either a miracle that got provided or the time that he called you to follow me and you stalled or... The the sin that you keep falling in. And we pray, God, God, take it away. I don't want it anymore. I'm done with it. The season is over. I'm ready, but I move on. And God said, okay, burn the plow and get rid of it. But it's so hard because as people, we want to keep it near and dear. And so as the game progresses, we keep taking blocks out of our past and putting them back on top of us and wearing this weight that God never intended for us to wear. And we've gotten it so wrong, church. I've gotten it so wrong. i got to let go. We have to let go because we're carrying this weight that Jesus already did on the cross. He carried your sin and it was done. He carried the, the past blessing that he provided. He's saying, listen, you needed that for then, but I'm moving you now to something new. Would you trust me to follow me into this next point? And would you go now? Would you not stall would you burn it now and take these blocks and stop putting them back on your life and just get rid of them? They're not important. They don't mean anything because grace has done it all. I don't need you to wear this weight of sin and temptation and fear in the past and everything else. I don't want you to carry it anymore. It's done. He said on the cross, it is finished.